This is Student Activist Hub Radio, a conversation on local and national political issues and events. You can call us at 314-516-8438. That's 516-THE-U. And now your hosts, Adam and Kevin. Hello, uh, this is Student Activist Hub Radio, and that's our opening uh, for the week, uh, and that's that shows that the technical problems that we've been having are all going eradicated. Thanks to DJ Blue Diamond, uh, who's here in the studio with us, and our executive producer, Lori, and of course, Adam. Uh, and uh, I'm your host, uh, Kevin, with uh, Adam, uh, my co-host. Hello, hello. Uh, and this week, uh, we wanted to talk about some pretty significant events that are going on um, with regards uh, to the assault on labor unions in Wisconsin. And we're joined by Kathy Sherwin, who's the communications director for the AFL-CIO. And we're just going to hash this out and discuss in detail what's going on and, and really get uh, you know a good perspective. So thanks for coming on, Kathy. Well, thank you for having me. Um, and I would like to clarify, I work here in Missouri. In Missouri, yes, in Missouri, yes. The communications director for the AFL-CIO here in Missouri, <laughs> not nationally. Thank you. I'm going to make sure I'm... Uh... All right. So, yeah, it is very exciting times, but I would like to clarify that although I am from Missouri and working in Missouri, the attacks are not confined to Wisconsin. They are, they are all over the country. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all over the country. Wisconsin has gotten a lot of uh, press attention thanks to a pretty big um, mass movement that's on display there. Uh, and, you know, it's really sort of showcasing what people can do and the power of people power. Absolutely. It's it's really an inspiring show of solidarity. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to start off with is, you know, one of the questions that I had uh, is, and, and I guess we could start off with some background information. What, you know, what exactly is going on in, of course, in Wisconsin, but then nationally, too? And how does this implicate uh, you know, those listeners, of course, who most of us live in the St. Louis area, uh, you know, how is this implicating uh, uh, us? Well, there's been a really coordinated campaign against workers as a whole and against public workers specifically across the country. And some of the most extremist white uh, right wing groups that you're going to see, um, some of the some of those groups have, have really been aligning themselves directly against workers. And every single one of the the attacks that um, that we're seeing on working people have been uh, ha- have really been problematic because you're you're seeing a, a greater and greater push to eliminate workers' voices entirely at the table. You're you're seeing an attack on the middle class as a whole, and that is, as you can imagine, very problematic. And you know, just to just start off with how this happened and how the the events in Wisconsin ran down. Um, the governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, uh, who is newly elected a part of sort of the new conservative wave that's come in. The Tea Party. So the Tea speak. Party. Although, you know, to be fair to him, he actually ran against someone who was endorsed by the Tea Party. And he was seen as less radical than the Tea Party support than the, <laughs> tea, the tea Party people. But nevertheless, he's proposing something quite radical. And that is to eliminate the right of public uh uh, workers in Wisconsin, and that's those who work for the county, school districts, mm-hmm. um, you know, state government workers from bargaining collectively. Uh, and there is a caveat. They are allowed to bargain for their wages, to increase wages. However, those, you know, the results of that can't increase further than the consumer price index, which is just inflation. So effectively, there's no right to collectively bargain. Unions are no longer allowed to uh, receive um, dues uh, under this proposal from directly from the employee paycheck. Uh, every year there has to be an election by secret ballot whether or not workers want to continue to be in this union. Uh, and, of course, we know, and the reason why people say election, but the reason why that's important is because employers tend to launch very aggressive misinformation campaigns during those elections. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, what you're seeing here is a wholesale attack on public employee unions. Absolutely. And by attacking public employee unions, you are attacking all all workers, not just those that are in unions, but the, the right of any worker in this country 
to have any rights that they're going to assert. When you take away someone's seat at the table, you're going after their basic ability to speak up for themselves and their ability to have democracy in the workplace. It's, it's a very un-American attack. Yeah, and it's it's uh, interesting because I know uh, I follow uh, Kathy on Twitter. Um, I think it's at Kathy Sherwin, right? Is that your it Twitter is. Twitter account? And, uh, you know, Kathy's been one of the people uh, really leading the, <laughs> uh, the charge of pointing out that in Missouri, uh, uh, State Senator... Uh, is it Jane Cunningham? Sorry, Susan Cunningham? Jane Cunningham. Jane Cunningham uh, recently proposed um, repealing child labor <laughs> laws in Missouri. And so... I think that's and, the new jobs plan. Yeah, that's their new jobs plan. Um, and uh, But it's interesting. I mean, with that, if you don't have uh, unions um, who are, organ, you know, which is basically just workers who are organized, who have organized people and organized money who are able to, you know, uh, fight for each other... Um, the the rights of any workers is going to be um, uh, pushed back because basically uh, in every single case, it's the company versus one single individual, you know, and what unions are is the individual sort of joining up and, and joining forces. And so so these assaults on unions really ultimately are going to pave the way for a lot uh, even more scarier stuff if, if they're successful. Yeah, real scary stuff um, in the workplace and also in our society as a whole. Um Organized labor, people in unions, workers, um, the nurses, the firefighters, the teachers that are under attack in Wisconsin and other states um, really hold the line for worker standards across the country and all kinds of things. I mean, you mentioned child labor. That's a huge issue. The fact that we're dealing with a repeal of child labor here, but also the fact that we have weekends, the fact that we have basic workplace safety. Those are all things that are thanks to the labor movement here. And if we didn't have a labor movement, can you imagine how long we could keep those those things that are really important to our society if we didn't have any check on corporate power? Right, right, definitely. Um, so one of the things I um, was sort of interested uh, in, in in the uh, Wisconsin election was that the, the Koch brothers, who are these sort of right-wing billionaires who are – um, behind funding for all kinds of like anti-global war or you know anti-climate change sort of initiatives, they they have a lot of money in the oil industry, and they are um, generally thought to have sort of bankrolled the start of the Tea Party. They put all this money into a group called Americans for Prosperity, who is very um, crucially involved in kick- getting the Tea Party off the ground. Um, it, I know for sure here in St. Louis as well as um, all across the country, um, and so I'm just curious. So this. These events in Wisconsin, I mean, you've already mentioned that it's happening all across the country, but it's really part of a, of a coordinated campaign, right? It's a strategic attack by right-wing ideologues who, who are really trying to sort of um, attack a certain group uh, in the country and, and gain power, right? It's not just sort of a, you know, like, oh, we think this would be a good idea for Wisconsin, and oh, we think this is a good idea for Missouri, Correct. Um, This is a a complete attack on all working people. Um, I mean, and when you go after teachers and firefighters and nurses, people that we rely on and that we respect, you you, you know, I think that's a very good indicator of how nobody's going to be safe under these attacks. Um, If they'll go after a classroom teacher and call them some of the things you've been seeing on Twitter and on and in the and in their op eds and things like that, really hateful just nasty language. When you see those kind of attacks on employees who spend their entire lives working for the public good, where would they stop? There's no boundary there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that I have uh, heard a part of this concerted attack is in this uh, time of economic recession, a lot of people who you know are sort of propped up, I've read it in newspaper articles, uh, you get this individual citizen saying, well, I had to cut back. Uh, so why aren't public workers, teachers, firefighters, and so on, cutting back? Why aren't they cutting their salaries? You know, why aren't they doing these, these things? Workers have been making concessions in this country for 30 years. We've been really trying to, to keep the economy going on the backs of workers now for so long. But what, what the governor is going after in Wisconsin is not about concessions. It's about taking away the fundamental right to bargain. Um, the employees have already offered to give back, offered to help out, offered to do whatever they can to keep the state afloat, even though much of the state's budget problems was really due to some really ill-advised tax cuts and, and tax breaks to very wealthy corporations and to individuals. Can you and, talk more about that? Can you can you talk about that the, the wealthy tax breaks, 
on how they have affected the, the budget of Wisconsin? Well, they've undermined the budget. In fact, the budget shortfall is just about almost exactly equal to the tax breaks that were given, which makes you wonder if this is part of a plan uh, that was put together a while before to look at, well, how can we create a crisis here in Wisconsin? And then how do we make sure that we handle it in a way that will eliminate any opposition to our plans in the future? Because let's face it, if you've got a group that wants to take over and push the agenda of greedy CEOs and the you know, the top 1%, who's going to stand in your way? Organized workers who are going to be concerned with the rights of the work of the work, working people of this country. And if you get them out of the way, you're going to be able to have an unchecked corporate power. Uh, it's a scary, scary thing. And it looks like there's a, a pretty strategic plan put together that we're seeing play out in Wisconsin. What they didn't expect is the level of organized opposition, the teachers, the firefighters, the nurses that are standing up for their rights and for the rights of every American. And also, you know, allies of labor, students uh, have walked out of class, Absolutely. Uh, you know, parents who send their kids to school and want quality education, people from the community have gone and rallied and said, this is an outrageous attack. Uh, and it's just fundamentally dishonest and cruel power play by the Republicans. Absolutely. Um, you've seen incredible community support, people dropping off food, people coming out and support all over the place um, because we're all working people for the most part. Uh, I would imagine pretty much everyone listening to this radio show, we're working people. We want the middle class to stay healthy. The people who want to see the middle class get marginalized and, la- and organized labor to go away are a very, very small minority with a lot of power because of their concentrated wealth. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is that people see public employees unions and, you know, a lot of times they say, I want to, you know, individual people, right wing conservatives on Twitter who are making these uh, uh you know, outrageous statements, they want to lower their standards. They say, I'm working for less, and so everybody else should work for less. And I find that interesting. Why Why not say, I'm working for less, and here are some people who have collectively bargained to get a good deal from their employer. Why can't I form a union and do the exact same thing? I find that, you know, either it's just indoctrination or, or just warped mind. Well, there's a couple things to that. First of all, um, the the reports of public employee wages and benefits are greatly exaggerated. And people aren't making a lot of money doing this kind of work, taking care of people. For example, here in Missouri, we have the, the, we have the least uh, compensated public employees in the nation, which is really shameful, and it leads to a lot of folks leaving for the private sector. Um, at the same time, anybody who wants to join a union uh, – who would who would choose to do so? You're not finding the the, the folks on the right wing, as as you mentioned, lining up to do so. Um, this right to organize should be for everyone, and no one should be denied their seat at the table, whether they're public, whether they're private, any worker. Well, we're gonna take a quick um, break to do some public service announcements, and we will be back um, very soon. Okay, this is Student Activist Hub Radio. Uh, and I'm your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam. Uh, and we're joined today by Kathy Sherwin, who's the communications director for the Missouri AFL-CIO. And we're talking about uh, the events, mass movement uh, protest in Wisconsin. Uh, and one of the things that, that I um, have noticed is that the media, the mainstream media, has not really given a lot of attention to uh, the sort of protest movement and how it's evolving. They're trying to fit it into this sort of partisan framework, Democrats and Republicans, which I think is a very incomplete view. So, you know, I wanted, you know, to, to, to you to just talk about what's going on in sort of the sequence of events with regard to the, the protest on the ground. Okay. Um, I'll give you the caveat first that I, I work here in Missouri and yeah. we, we've been pretty busy here. So if I yeah. miss out something in the in the Wisconsin saga, it's not because uh, it's not very exciting. And um, so you, you've got the, this governor who wants to take away collective bargaining. And, and rather than, you know, sit down and take it, uh, uh, you know, an incredible array of nurses and firefighters and teachers and other public employees have, have organized themselves. And you saw people come out wearing red on Monday, on Valentine's Day, and trying to hold the governor accountable. And the more um, the more that grew throughout the week, people have been in the Capitol. You've seen this incredible show of solidarity. And this has just been growing exponentially every single day until you get to this point now where we have tens of thousands of of Americans, of, of 
folks from Wisconsin who who take care of our kids, who've been bringing their children and their grandchildren, community folks, just this show of support. Um, and I think the the general media, the, the your typical uh, media, is going to have a hard time with that because it doesn't necessarily fit in that message box of the Democrats and the Republicans. And um, while these are definitely partisan games that are being played, it does not mean that um, only conservatives oppose workers' rights and only liberals exactly. are, are sticking up for them. The fact is this is a fight for the middle class. This is a fight for almost every American. And the folks that are fighting against it, the folks that are pushing it on the other side, are a very, very small proportion of people who have a disproportionate amount of the wealth. One of the, and one of the things that you framed it very well about how this crisis, in quotes, I have it in quotes, um, is really, you know, this manufactured uh, incident by the Republican governor to try to eviscerate workers' rights. And I watched a program uh, on with Naomi Klein, uh, who's the author of The Shock Doctrine, and she talks very eloquently about how this is common throughout the world. World leaders will often, when faced with a crisis, legitimate or not, will then use that to take advantage of the paralysis and the fear and the angst that the public has and try to eviscerate progressive, you know, working class, middle class rights that have been fought for just over the decades. Yeah, I think it's easy when you're, you know, when you live in in the Midwest, as we do here, as we do there, um, to to think that things are are unique to us and they're not we're part of a of a greater movement most definitely and also you'll see these patterns come up someone gets too much power um or the idea that they have enough power to do it and then to take advantage of their own people they're supposed to represent uh and this manufactured crisis as you as you as you talk about as as we talk about here it's it's really shameful and they we need to spell it out we need to shine some daylight on it because it's too easy to say, you know, public workers need to, to take care of this or whatever. There, there was a surplus not long ago in Wisconsin. Someone systematically made, made sure there would not be a surplus, manufactured a crisis, and is now trying to balance a, a manufactured budget on the backs of public workers who do nothing other than serve the public every single day. And, and that's sort of the kind of immediate crisis that's manufactured but just in general the whole budget crisis that you know while national republicans are talking about you know cutting social security and cutting medicaid and cutting all kinds of uh services like a hundred billion dollars from the budget um you know this crisis this this um deficit problem is really a problem that was created by the bush tax cuts in large part and and we're seeing you know over and over the 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 gap between the wealthiest Americans and everyone else is growing and growing and growing, and yet they're still pushing this ideology that, oh, well, if you just don't tax the rich people, they're going to create all these jobs for us. And they've been making more, you know, they've been getting wealthier and wealthier, and it's really the middle class who's been suffering. So the whole thing is sort of a manufactured crisis in the sense that it's not like wealth is decreasing in the country. It's just that it's becoming more and more centralized and the same corporate ceos the same politicians who are taking their money that have been supporting our jobs going overseas are the same ones who are supporting these anti-worker actions here one of the you know with the we we sort of touched on the media and how it's really failed um that's the mainstream media you also have this huge right-wing media out there which of course is has all out in force on twitter and trying to do the you know bright bart tactics and, and dishonesty and that uh, but, you know, I've been thinking about it, and it seems to me that, that you know, part of the um, goal of this mass movement on the ground is to get uh, the voices of, of working families out to the legislators and to the governor to try to, to get them to reconsider. That's sort of a part of their goal. And with the right-wing media, Fox News, you know, of course, the newspapers, Wall Street Journal, the blogs, radio, talk radio, Rush Limbaugh millions of people and i think that that it's it's really creating this environment where these legislators these republicans and and these um you know uh, this governor scott walker don't really have to reflect on the impact that their legislation is going through they don't have to say they can be in this right-wing media world watch that on television and just ignore the events going on on the capitol and say 
oh, well, you know, Fox News is presenting, look at how many Tea Party people are well, or, or, or all of that. You know, I, I may be hopelessly naive, but I think if I'm a, if I'm a member of the GOP elected in Wisconsin, I'm going to have a really hard time ignoring tens of thousands of people outside my door, no matter what I'm watching on the television inside my office. So what, and, I, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm sort of hopeful in that pessimistic vein, but what, what prospects are there for, you know, what's the end game? What prospects are there for, you know, a, a just a complete, obviously you can't have this legislation um, in any form. Uh, so, so, you know, how do, how do we take that off the table? Well, again, I mean, this legislation is just one piece of a, of a massive attack on working Americans. Yeah. Um, and th- these attacks have to stop at some point. But until the attacks stop, we have to keep fighting them off. And these shows of solidarity, this, this unity, this, the community working with other workers and, you know, the, the pipe fitter standing up for the teachers standing up. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. And I think that's the one thing that we can really get out of this and talk about as being a benefit is that we're getting into these fights that are really about our very existence. Do we deserve to have a right as working people? Do we get a seat at the table? And we're fighting for our lives here. And we're going to continue to do this until we win. I saw that reminds me of a good quote I saw. I can't remember who, who it was, but someone said that they they wanted to thank the the governor of uh, Wisconsin, because there is no better possible way to educate tens of thousands of people about what solidarity means and, you know, what it means <laughs> to have your, your fellow uh, workers back. So, uh, yeah, that kind of kind of reminds me of, uh, of I, that quote. I saw a picture from the from the rally. I think it was from yesterday's rally that said something along the lines of I'm a pro-life Baptist so-and-so from Wisconsin and always been a Republican and now I'm a Democrat. And so I, this this recruiting tool, um, it just blows my mind that, that a political party would want to play partisan games at this level to the point where they're attacking the fundamental rights we have as citizens. I, I have to wonder, too, Kathy, I, uh, you know, I noticed in this past election and, and at some of the Tea Party rallies um, that there were people who said that they were union members who were part of the Tea Party. Um, and they were they would sort of occasionally show up and say, well, you know, don't bash unions too much, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I have to wonder what those people are thinking, seeing what's going on now. I feel like I'm hopefully they sort of realize that they're being they were being taken for a ride as these national Tea Party leaders and as the the people who really speak for the movement like Bachman or Glenn Beck or whatever are, you know, coming out as 100 percent against workers and against unions. And, you know, there's no real... And pro-government. These anti-government demonstrators, supposedly, down around the election times, <laughs> are now out there saying, follow the government, don't demonstrate. Yeah, right. It's the opposite. And, and the governor came out and said uh, that he would use the National Guard back in early February. You know, and it just strikes me as so odd. We went through two years of fascism, communism from Obama, you know, screaming by the Tea Party. Um, all of this sort of outrage from the Tea Party about the fascist state. Within a month of the governor of Wisconsin coming into office, he threatens to use the military mm-hmm. against expression that's gra- guaranteed under Absolutely. the First Amendment. Do, yeah, um, I think the days the days have to be over of, of the National Guard trying to enforce our labor law. Uh, that led to tragic consequences yeah. that, that can never, ever happen again. Yeah, and and the sad part is, yeah, there's a history, there's a pre- precedent for that. You know, of course, famously Haymarket in Chicago, but Wisconsin has a history of tr- even if even as its reputation as a progressive state has a history of of using the military to enforce labor laws against the working people. And those days have got to be over. <laughs> These days of of you know the the the, uh, the military taking the position, and and I don't think they are. I mean, I have family in the military. Um, and we're all working class people. We're, you know, these, um, there's no reason to pit uh, a working class member of the National Guard against a teacher. Yeah. That is the and, most and, ridiculous thing you can think of. There's no reason for that. When, when people are peaceably uh, assembling as they are allowed to do under the Constitution. Yeah, and in fact, I, I think I was watching Democracy Now! and they had a teacher on. And he was a member of the National Guard and he said, I don't, I'm going to be called up to you know, bash, you know, teachers in a violent, I'm a teacher. Why would yeah. I, you know, he why could be would at I the Capitol that? today and then called up to the Capitol tomorrow. Exactly. It's, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, um, I wanted to go back for a second about uh, Kevin's point about um, the right wing media apparatus, because 
I think they've just done, I mean, it's just apparent in so many ways about how much more effective they have been than the left of sort of building their own media structure and just having, you know, the source of information that a lot, a huge number of people on the right just take that information for granted and they take it as fact and they don't trust anything the mainstream media says. And so basically if Fox News tells them something, they just kind of go with it. And and what was to me was so amazing about this, um, especially in relation to like what we've seen in Wisconsin is, you know, I feel like two years ago or so, this idea that we would, you know, get rid of collective bargaining and we'd be demonizing teachers and policemen and firemen, I think it would, to me, it was sort of almost unimaginable that it would really, you know, be this, uh, you know, people would be able to do it, just say that so calmly and not get, you know, shouted down, like, how can you attack teachers and police officers? But yet they they have they've established so much um, sort of faith in their media that as soon as Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and all these and Breitbart, you know, come out and say unions are evil and all these people are lazy and they're not doing anything like people just jump on. And like this idea, like just rapidly, this whole section of the right just embraced, oh, yeah, we need to get rid of collective bargaining, just like that, you know, even though I feel like it would be almost unimaginable, like, a few years ago. Like this, this well, they're yeah. saying we need to get rid of unions entirely. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're really on that road, which is interesting because there are union members who are members of the Tea Party, and I would imagine many of them are falling away right now because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can have a philosophical opinion, but when someone actually goes after your livelihood and the food on your children's table, it's pretty hard to sustain that on just an idea alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you said was true. I mean, if you have a media system that you've been able to spend unlimited amounts of money to have different voices saying the same thing at all times and have it very coordinated, they have a very powerful machine, and it's going to take a lot of people power. I mean, it, it took it, you know tens of thousands, more than have been at, I would wonder how many, if you compare to every member of a Tea Party rally ever, compared to what's going on in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And how the media coverage is going. Oh, um, right. I'm, yeah. I'm not enough enough of a mathematician to to try to do that right now on air, but I think it would be pretty remarkable. Oh yeah, if yeah. the Tea Party got thirty thousand uh, people in a at a protest or or seventy thousand, they would you know they'd be getting headlines for the next you know month yeah. about it probably. Let alone in the state capital, <laughs> you know, with one hundred and fifty thousand people, you and know? not showing up and making an appearance and taking some silly videos and heading out of town, yeah. but actually Sustained. camping out and sustaining a, a fight for their lives. And you know, there is nothing more inspiring, I think, in in the world than people who are willing to stand up and peaceably assemble for what's important to them, for their own children and their own lives. And that's what's going on right now. We've got you know, we've got nurses and teachers and firefighters who are there day and night standing up for what they believe in and their way of life. And that's something that we need to talk about over and over and over again. It's beautiful. Um, Kathy, one of the things you mentioned was just right now the unity amongst uh, labor and and allies and and working people generally, teachers, uh, firefighters, police officers. One of the odd parts of the governor's proposal, Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin, is that, you know, he claims that there's budgetary reasons that he needs to you know, eviscerate uh, collective bargaining as we know it, and yet he exempts um, firefighters and police officers who just so happen to endorse him. Now, right now, I just read something from the ma- major law enforcement union. They are uh, rescinding those endorsements. Rescinding yes. those endorsements <laughs> and talking about, you know, sort of just issuing this mea culpa. It was great. I really liked the, the piece that he wrote. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's sort of another part of this funny math that's going on where, you have this story where, oh, well, you had this budget crisis, but then two of the largest public employees in the state of Wisconsin are exempted. So, you know, how does that fit in the math? Well, it doesn't make any sense, but unless so you just look at it as a political game that he's playing. Uh, but bottom line, if you go after any workers' collective bargaining, you've gone after every workers' collective bargaining. That is solidarity right there. We are all in this together. And if you pick off the teachers this time, you know, why would the firefighters think they wouldn't be on the chopping block next time? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, one of the things that uh, you just just talk about politics for a second, um, Wisconsin has a, a the ability to recall its legislators. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because of the factors that, that we've talked about, the media and the intensity of support from these wealthy billionaires in the Tea Party, my, you know, view is uh, that the only way to end this standoff 
is, you know, by organizing people to get rid of the legislators, the Republican legislators that are pushing it and replace them with people who, uh, you know, are pro-working uh, family. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think that uh, there's a lot of great ideas going on right now. And I think there's some, some good momentum on Facebook. And I think check out the AFL-CIO. We've got some great information working together. Um, visit the AFL-CIO on Facebook. You'll, you'll be able to keep up to date on all these different things that are going on. Um, check out some of the progressive organizations in Wisconsin. Uh, definitely get involved. I, I think those are the kind of fights that have to be done in the state. They're, they're their fights. Um, I know there are people who have been giving money to the to the Democratic senators who have been um, helping on, in their part by leaving the state so that they would not have a vote that was so against the will of the people. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Join up. Um, keep keep uh, keep involved. Yeah. I, OK. Well, I, I just wanted to ask a little bit about um, yesterday because, you know, I, w- I was sort of paying a lot of attention yesterday. And um, so the. The uh, Americans for Prosperity and True Majority, a couple, you know, sort of astroturf groups on the right, um, held a rally yesterday, and they invited Breitbart, and they invited, uh, you know, one of my favorite people, Jim Gateway Pundit Hoft, and <laughs> uh, you know, um, and uh, so they they held this rally, and I was just I, I just found it really interesting to sort of pay attention to what was going on, and you know, my sense going into it was that. I mean, we've seen Breitbart at he he went outside of a, the Koch brothers had a pro or they had a conference in California and there was a protest outside and Breitbart kind of went around there and like basically tried to provoke people into saying like nasty things to him, you know, and, and he had a few people working with him. And my sense was that they were trying to do that yesterday, but it didn't really work out very well. Like, I think it didn't seem me, like it to me. It seemed like the unions did a pretty good job of or and the and the protest organizers in general um, did a very nice job of sort of, you know, making sure people were informed and like sort of knew how to react to to it. So they really didn't get a very interesting story out of it. And, I, and my my sense was always that the reason they went there was not so much to have a rally as, as much as to try to come up with some sort of media conflict that they could sort of portray the protesters as violent or like, you know, like they love to do. Oh, I think it was on a couple levels. I mean, I think they did want to have this story that was it's the tea party versus the people who you know who are protesting Hmm. um which is a pretty tough sell when you're talking about about a 30 to 1 ratio or whatever it was to yesterday i mean it was the tea party was was outnumbered 30 (laughs) to 1 or it was it was pretty amazing yeah Yeah, we're not sure about the numbers because their math is always uh, (laughs) the it is a little questionable but um but I, I, you know, if you can't look at the pictures of what's going on now and who's left and not see that it's just an amazing show of solidarity. Oh, so I, I had to add this since you mentioned the numbers is that normally, normally the Tea Party, they come up with some anonymous uh, police officer who inflates the numbers for them, right? They always say, oh, yeah, some anonymous police officer said we had 500,000 people. <laughs> but um, yesterday, Jim Hoff just... He just invented a number. Like he just said, "Oh yeah, we must have had fifteen thousand. And he like had he provided no evidence or anything. He was just <laughs> like, "Well, there were seventy thousand people total, so we must have been fifteen. And like, yeah. I don't know. It was funny. But. He must I, not have found a police officer who would uh who would yeah, spout they, off they, they, were, they were all in yeah. the, they were they all, were in all the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe he didn't want to you know show any solidarity <laughs> with a police officer. <laughs> you know, and the sad part is, I went on Politico, and um, the, their coverage was. Tea Party versus, you know, unions. That's you an know. easy narrative. Yeah. Lazy reporting, easy narrative. Exactly. If you want to tell that story. Yeah, I mean, I and I think that the D.C. media is so focused on how to make this a national story. You know, they've talked about And President Obama did come out with a very strong statement, I think, uh, about the, you know, condemning the, the assault and saying that just, you know, I've, I've, and I think a part of it is pre- the president is a very logical person. I don't think he's particularly ideological. Um, and I think he just looked at the logic and said, this just didn't make any sense. You don't have to be a, a strong union supporter yeah. to believe that collective bargaining is a good thing and that an open attack on workers is a good idea. That is not a radical view. It's unfortunate that we have some folks who are so far to the other side that some reporters will move the debate where the middle is, is pretty skewed. Those are not radical points. Those are something that have been established. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower talked about unions making sense. Um, you know, people who are not who are not liberal at all. And in fact, this bill that 
that the governor's Governor Walker is trying to eviscerate was pushed in 1959 by a Republican governor and a Democratic legislator, and so that just shows how much the the the, the political playing field has changed that now that's radical Mm -hmm. and the governor walker's proposal well maybe we should come up with something in the middle between that you know there really isn't a middle when you're talking about taking away someone's rights to talk about their work working conditions and their wages and their hours those are there's no middle ground there you either have a seat at the table or you don't um oh i was just going to add i mean along those lines too uh i mean there's no so there's no middle ground on collective bargaining but one thing that um, Kevin was mentioning as we were coming here that I thought was really interesting was that, um, you know, uh, this talking point um, from the anti-worker side, keep, you know, they keep saying, oh, well, you know, people have to give concessions and, you know, there has to be some sort of concessions. And, and Kathy, as you mentioned, you know, worker, you know, people have been working, people have been giving concessions for a long time. But I mean, specifically in relation to Wisconsin, they've offered the they've concessions. offered concessions multiple times, and Walker and uh, I think the was it the head of the Senate and the GOP or something, they have just said absolutely not. We're not negotiating. We're not, um, you know, sitting down to talk about it even. Right? No, they want unions out of Wisconsin, just like we want. It, there are definitely those who want to see unions out of Missouri. Um, we're going to see a vote this week in the Senate on this so-called right-to-work legislation, which is a complete lie, the name of yeah. it. There's no rights that are going to be created. There's no work that's going to be created. But this is a, a major attack on working people here in Missouri. And, uh, and again, you mentioned the child labor bill. We actually have a senator who would have the nerve to push eliminating child labor restrictions and allow children of any age to work any number of hours in all kinds of different, different facilities. It's crazy. Yeah, it, you know, it goes to show how the mind can be warped by ideology. And on to Missouri, you know, one of the things that I get this sense of is that there's just, yeah, there's just this attack on labor wholesale and unions. And the rationale for it is that, you know, unions uh, are made up of corrupt, thuggish people uh, who are an impingement and blah, 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 all this rhetoric. And they point to actions of corruption uh, in the unions, which maybe they have merit. Even it's a very interesting argument that the reason why we should get rid of unions is because there's corruption. Because there's, you know, even if that were true. and it, Well, there can be the corruption points, absolutely there can, anywhere. There can be corruption anywhere. And in the state of Missouri, there, just in this past two years, there are plenty of examples of corruption. Nobody goes around and says... Let's get rid of the state legislator because some state legislators are corrupt. Exactly. Nobody goes around and says, look at corporate America. I mean, we just had the crisis with the banks and all of the corruption that came out of that with Bernie Madoff and all those people. Nobody says eliminate the banking sector because there's corruption. Of course not. Even if there were corruption in the union, (laughs) how could you possibly get – well, yeah. (laughs) It doesn't get much play in mainstream media, though. (laughs) I mean, just just the logic of it is just off. You know, it's never applied to any other institution. And and nobody's regulated like like the unions are. But at the same time, I mean, that's not even the the only point to make. The fact is uh, unions represent to to many politicians really the only check – on their ability to do whatever they want to do. Right. And if if politicians who are funded by groups like you talk about here, funded by these these extremist groups that are bankrolling all kinds of really terrible ideas in this country and around the world, um, we're going to see a, a tremendous, tremendous decline in everybody's standard of living. And the thing that's standing in the way of that is organized labor. So they go against unions and they make up all kinds of things and they say whatever they can to, minim- to minimize the good stuff that's going on and to minimize that check on their power. And and absolutely. And just to be more specific, I mean, the groups that are going to be unchecked are basically groups that will do absolutely anything to make a profit, right? It's sort of like this mentality of the most important thing is to make as much profit as we can, even if we already have $90 billion, we need to fight for $91 billion, um, and 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 so it's just basically this really like unbridled greed, I think, that's that's pushing this agenda against the the workers and, and against unions. Right. And if you look at what the labor movement has contributed to our society, look at things like child labor standards, uh, forty hour work week, overtime, uh, having health care, 
all, all kinds of worker protection, having places to go to work where you have a reasonable expectation of coming home in one piece, basic, basic stuff, minimum wage. Those things are going to go away if the corporate power that we're seeing now and these politicians who are carrying their, their water are allowed to continue. Um, we're seeing these attacks now. I would have never thought that we would see an attack on child labor in Missouri. Right. Uh, and 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 just to put it in terms of other th- it fights, too, I mean, if you look at the environment, I mean, there's Republicans are not going to stand up for the environment. And there's there's nothing, even though there are some great environmental groups, there's nothing in the environmental movement or any other movement that can match unions even today in terms of like having the people and the money to fight back against some of this stuff. So so that's why this is just such a central issue, I think, for anyone who who sort of cares against fighting back against some of these corporate issues is because there's nothing that, that compares. Yeah, we've compares got to, to restore that balance. We've got to get back to growing the middle class, creating jobs, and keeping the basic protections, and then in improving them, improving the situation. We can't go back to the bad old days of the robber barons. We've gone close enough already. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to take a a quick break with some more PSAs, and then we're going to come back and I think hopefully talk a little bit more about uh, Missouri, and Kathy can give us some ideas of how we can get involved in uh, Missouri stuff or... Yeah, so she'll she'll she'll, or she'll tell us what she's doing, and you know, people can decide. For you can get involved. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Okay, we're back. This is Student Activist Hub Radio. I'm your host Kevin with my co-host Adam, uh, and we're joined by Kathy Sherwin, who's the communications director of the Missouri AFL-CIO. And uh, you know, we wanted to talk about some of the issues on the ground in Missouri. Um, and, and sort of what's coming up next? What are the Republican uh, legis- led legislator? what do they have in mind? Well, I don't want to talk about Republican legislators as a whole here in Missouri because we, we do have some members of the GOP who have been uh, – who are not anti-worker, and I don't want to lump them all in together. Unfortunately, we have some that are very anti-worker. So to talk about some of them individually, we have kind of a core group here that have been very problematic um, – Senator Jason Kral, Senator Jane Cunningham, uh, Senator Rob Mayer, who have been putting out some legislation that that's really pretty appalling. Um, you know, these attacks, these so-called right to work and child labor and just going after working people every way that they can. And then we have others who, who, who stand up. In fact, not that long ago here in Jefferson County, not too far from St. Louis, the Jefferson County Republican Central Committee put out a, a resolution. They unanimously approved a resolution that said they did not want to see right-to-work legislation pass. So um, different than some states, these, these attacks are not whole, wholly partisan. That's great. Good. I'm glad to, glad to hear that, but for sure. That being said, there are still some, some big, big fights that we're involved in right now. And, and the Missouri um, legislator, uh, obviously you have Governor Nixon who's there, and, and he's, of course, uh, against right-to-work. Um, or right to work for less. Um, yes, and he so, has come out. His administration has come out strongly op- opposed. Yeah, and the and, and so so having Republican legislators there who are opposed to it is important because obviously his veto uh, could not be overridden uh, in, in that occasion. Well, certainly, um, and there, but even more than um, than just that basic question, we're seeing much more energy toward right to work um, in the Senate right now. And uh, we expect a vote to be held in the Senate um, this week, more than likely, although there may well be some wonderful senators who are able to to slow down the process quite a bit. But it's going to be a very interesting week. I think they're going to have a lot of need to hear from their constituents. We're going to have a lot of folks who will be you know, calling in and, and sending emails and visiting the Capitol in person and making sure that we get the message to these senators. Um, the time is not right now. The time is not right ever to go after workers and their unions when what they need to be doing is, you know, focus on creating jobs and rebuilding the middle class here in Missouri. There's no time to spend time just trying to eliminate anyone they see to be in their way, including workers. Right. It's, yeah. Oh, I was just going to add that. I mean, we saw in the the elections in 2010, Republicans over and over were just jobs, 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 jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they push stuff like this that, you know, they, they try to come up with some explanation of how it, like, brings in jobs. But it's just really not true. They're, they're, yeah. This is not, has nothing to do with creating jobs in Missouri. And 
and they've been doing quite a lot of things that that are just distracting from from what we really should be focusing on in, in these economic times. No, and to show how how um, completely this is not a factor in creating and retaining jobs, um, I think the the recent story out of Claycomo, being able to save the Ford plant there and those thirty seven hundred good paying middle class jobs mm-hmm. because we had bipartisan efforts, we had Republicans and Democrats working together along with the governor to keep those good jobs here and to work out creative solutions to do it. Ford wanted to know different specific questions, and they worked very closely. Not one time was the right to work, you know, so-called right to work an issue. Right, and and that's really interesting, too, because um, what is uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Missouri? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I remember that they came out with, like, a list of priorities of what they wanted to see this session. They called and- it Fix the Six. Fix the six. But and, it was not just the chamber. It was a consortium of a whole bunch of different business entities. Okay. And and right to work wasn't really even on that list. It was right? not on the list. Yeah. And when they were asked at their press conference um, at the beginning of the session why it was not on the list, it was because all the members of that organization were not backing right, right to work legislation, mm-hmm. including um, it is my understanding that although the National Chamber of Commerce um, is, is very much for this sort right. of legislation because they don't want to see unions – in the state, the local chamber of commerce are, are not necessarily for this this legislation, and enough have been against it for them to have been neutral in this so far, to this point. Yeah, and I've heard that. I mean, this is sort of going on a side issue, but I've heard that there are a lot of local chamber of commerce who have been distancing themselves quite a bit from the national group, just because the national group really does seem to have this very hard right sort of agenda or a very pro-corporate agenda and anti-worker agenda, whereas the local Chamber of Commerces are more about, you know, what's good for the community. Well, they're about local and they are about the community. And and I think we've seen more and more in the last election, the national, and I don't want to get too far onto this, but the National Chamber of Commerce is really pushing a, a very global corporate agenda, mm. which is, is very offensive almost to some of these local chapters because it's not, if they're not the jobs here and there's, we're not seeing work here, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good on the local level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the uh, that's one of the interesting points. And just on national, um, we mentioned that the Republican so-called jobs agenda. And speaker, the speaker of the National House, John Boehner, was asked uh, if his budget. The Republicans passed a, a budget that cut sixty billion dollars from the budget, um, and they, he was asked if this budget cuts two hundred thousand jobs, that's going to be a loss of jobs. What do you think of that? His response was, so be it. And so they don't, wow. it doesn't have a, and he was asked specifically about the 200,000 right. jobs. People have t- come back and said, well, actually the statistic was untrue and it was a lower number. But on the assumption that it would cut 200,000 jobs, he didn't have a problem with it. So be it. And people were not voting about the deficit. When you, when we, you know, when exit polling was done after the election, people said they voted for jobs. They wanted to see jobs. And we're not seeing jobs coming out of these of these politicians. And it is just it's it's wrong to spend their time and to spend these these taxpayers' resources to spend all of our resources on you know a laundry list for corporate for the worst of corporate America. Not even the corporations that most of us might might work for, but the ones that are that have been shipping our jobs out elsewhere. And then they come back with a list of things that they want. It's it's terrible. Kathy, we have been talking about this legislation, right to work for less, but I know many of our listeners might not know exactly what that entails. Can you sort of lay that out for us? Sure. Um, It is legislation that's been filed in Missouri, and um, there are a number of states that have it. It it eliminates um, the ability to to write a contract where um, more folks are members. So you're going to see... It, but what it what it really be, you know boils down to is it's an attack on working on working people because when you li- when you limit and when you make it more difficult for workers to organize and bargain and and have a contract where everyone participates, you're really eliminating the ability to have a, an effective and strong union. And and just so I understand, um, so um, right now, if you if you join a company that's unionized um, and you you have to pay your union dues in order to be represented by the union, right? Not correct, actually. Oh. Um, there are because of a court case, a Supreme Court case, uh, a number of years ago. No one is required to be a member of a union. Mm-hmm. 
what you are. Um, if you are a member in a in a you know in a company where you're represented, um, you can be asked to pay the cost of of your contract of mm. representing you, but oh, you are okay. not required to pay dues. None of your money goes to things that you might find questionable. This is just um, purely the the cost of, of, of your of what you receive as a benefit. So what we find is that rather than um, when, when this when this legislation passes in states, it reduces wages because it reduces bargaining power. Mm-hmm. So you'll find, but not just for union workers who are who are under a contract, but for every worker across the board, you'll find pay cuts of around five thousand dollars on average. So that's a huge amount of money for many families, and it's going to be absolutely devastating if our if our standard of living. It was very interesting at the right to work hearing, uh, this hearing on this legislation they call right to work. We had. All these people talking about how well these numbers don't matter because our standard, our, our cost of living is is going to be different. As if we finally had legislation equal to Kansas, all of our mortgages were going to get cheaper, mm-hmm. and all of our, you know, our the gas was going to get cheaper, and all of these things were going to change. They're not going to change. We're going to have the same bills that we have now, but we're going to have lower wages. Mm-hmm. Wow, I, that just shows a basic fundamental misunderstanding of economics. I mean, that's the cost has to do with supply and demand. And so if there's lots of people, costs are going to go up because demand for they understand what they want to understand yeah, when you're talking yeah. about some of these politicians. And and again, it's a, it's a game. It's a game that they're playing that we can't afford. And it's putting the interests of of a very few ahead of everybody else who lives in Missouri. Um, only a small fraction of workers are actually in unions, but the, the, um, the folks that are in unions raise the standard uh, for everybody with the wages and the you know, we support things like the minimum wage that don't even necessarily benefit our members as much directly as, as the general public. And if you eliminate that, that group to work for the interests of workers, we're going to see uh, a real decline in our state. So, Kathy, we have about um, two minutes left. And, you know, this has been a great discussion. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, we wanted to, you know, get some, did you want to have some final uh, closing thoughts and then uh, give some information to our listeners about how to get involved, um, you know, uh, and uh, some of the, the uh, plugs for AFL-CIO? Absolutely. And I, I so appreciate the time here. Um, you know, students are such a big part of, of the activist community, and uh, I think we're going to have lots of opportunities to get involved. Um, if you would join the Missouri AFL-CIO on Facebook, that's a good place to start. Missouri, spelled out, AFL-CIO. Um, also, we have a causes page, which we have linked to from our Facebook page, Stop Right to Work in Missouri. And also, it's called Stop Right to Work for Less in Missouri. And also, Stop 